Colin Horton. I'm an award-winning surveyor, part-time property investor and self-confessed entrepreneur. I believe that business is all about getting to know the people that you're dealing with, and that's exactly what we're going to be doing on this podcast. We'll be having in-depth chats, asking the personal questions, and ultimately getting candid. Thanks, Ash, for that very lovely intro. Um, if I'm a single again, I get you to write my dating profile. So um, it's very nice. <laughs> so thanks, mate. Um, so a little bit about me, guys. Um, I find it difficult to be too self-indulgent and talk about what I do uh, without being too much of a flex. But um, I'm a surveyor by trade. Um, my average kind of transactional value is about £1,000. So um, bear that in mind when uh, I can't talk about numbers because you'll kind of see kind of how many sales we have to do to kind of make the business work. Um, I'm 33, uh, 34 in about three weeks' time. Um, and my sales technique has always been um, kind of the soft, sell, the soft sell, kind of friendly, friendly, get on there, good size, and ultimately make them not want to go with anyone else because they want to go with me. Um, and I'll get on to that a little bit more. Um, but just a little bit more about my background. Um, five years ago, um, I left a very well-paid job because they decided to mess with my commission structure and we were making the company a lot of money and um, very knee-jerk reaction because I had a house with my ex-fiance um, and I was, um, you know, I was just, you know, well, part of my friends, but F it, I'm, I'm, I'm quitting. I just quit next day. And um, I, would, I, I thought I was worth a lot more than I was actually getting offered with other jobs. So I came out with, you know, I was near on six-figure salary at the time. And I thought I'd easily walk into another job where they would give me that kind of money. And no, they would not. So uh, it was a massive confidence knock for me. Um, and I took a job um, trying to apply my trade and just learn a little bit kind of skills that I'd never kind of learned before. And I quickly realized that I was getting in clients without even, you know, getting the financial rewards that I should be getting. Um, a year went past and was like, Do you know what? I'm going to set up my own company. Um, self-indulgently called it Horton's Values, um, which I regret doing now because when it came to selling the company uh, or trying to sell the company, it's difficult when you name a company after yourself. So there's there's probably one tip I would say is never name a company after yourself because it's, it's a pain in the ass if you look to sell. Um, and we basically grew the business. Uh, I say we because for some reason my nan used to refer to herself in like third person, so so do I sometimes. So we grew the company and it was it was hard. It was um, There was a lot of sleepless nights and whether the transactional values were pretty much a £1,000, um, it's a lot of money to convince someone to pay you. Um, now, it's a, we, we are a value-add service, so we are a professional service. Um, and fundamentally, what we do is valuation work, specialising in leasehold flats. So if you ever have a leasehold flat, the lease will get shorter. As the lease gets shorter, your chance of selling the flat become more difficult. Uh, and then my job is to help you extend that flat, or extend the lease on the flat, and make sure you maximise the value of your property uh, we also work for freeholders on the other side um, but transactionally a thousand pounds was kind of the number we had to work with and it's not an easy sell you know because uh, people will inherently always want to go for the cheapest product that's completely like i'm the same even you know if i'm trying to get a quote even if i'm pretty sure that the person's better oh you know your brain tells you to go for the cheapest quote and that's something that i had to really overcome so i'll talk a little bit about how how i do that um, and then very quickly, that 
business went well and then it enabled me to invest into another company called Projects & Co, which is a building surround firm um, without teaching anyone to suck eggs. We're fundamentally property doctors. You know, we're going to the property, make sure that it's, you know, not falling down or whatever. And then if it is falling down, we'll make sure we remedy it. Um, and we started that three years ago and we just celebrated our first million pound year, which is a wonderful achievement for us considering we you know we have we haven't been taught by anyone about how to run a business. We know we make a lot of mistakes. We still make mistakes, um, and the kind of the, the transactional value of something like that is about five six hundred quid. So we've had to do a lot of sales in that business to kind of get it over the line. Um, so first and foremost, like personal brand for me was something that is what I kind of knew how to do. Um, I don't know how I knew how to do it, but it's, I think maybe it's the generation that I was in. I have two sisters who are very big on social media and the people that I was following, people that I could see do well, whether it was all bravado and smoking mirrors, were the ones that had a personal brand. And I thought, if I can grow my personal brand, then that will help open doors for me. Now, as a professional services provider, people will, you know, fundamentally going to buy into that person. No one really gives two hoots about Horton's values. They wanted to work with me. So I thought, Joe, if I make my personal brand as strong as it possibly can be, then that's going to open so many more doors for me. It's going to help me if I wanted to maybe pitch to a new client. They're like, oh, you're, you're that guy from LinkedIn. You're the guy that does all that. You're the guy that pushes himself out. You're the guy that hosts networking events. You're that guy. And I wanted to be that guy. It sounds a bit corny, but I wanted to be that guy. And we started off by hosting networking events with people that we wanted to work with. Now, Networking events are great if you're hosting because you're in control. Um, and I know how daunting they can be when you go to an event and you don't know anyone. It's terrifying. Um, bear in mind, I host events. I still find them terrifying. I went to a and i meeting. I was saying to Ash and I was, I was still daunted by it. I only had to speak for 45 seconds and I was way out of my depth. Um, well, I felt I wasn't out of my depth, but I convinced myself that I was out of my depth. But really, everyone else is in the same boat. But the networking was absolute catalyst for me and, and my success which i'll use humbly but um it enabled me to meet people and to open the doors to other people um now one big thing that i believe personal brand is important for is indirect like networking so what i mean by that is uh i use ash as an example but you're not this isn't actually what you do ash but so say uh ash was a ash was a big time property agent estate agent in the area i'm not necessarily going to get loads of work from ash directly but if me and ash you know meet up go for lunch go for coffee have a couple of drinks what ash would then do is ash would then talk to his mates about me and all ash's mates are property investors who are going to have significant portfolios and the best form of referral is from somebody else you know that's the best form of networking or marketing you could spend hundreds and thousands of pounds on google or whatever but ultimately if you're getting referrals from someone who said this guy is actually really good it's an easy 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 sell now that does come back to personal branding um and one of the big things that i'm a big fan of is putting yourself out there now, I know everyone's business is a little bit different. Ash has given me a very brief synopsis on everyone's kind of background. So um, I know mine is professional service-based, uh, so it's a little bit different to some of you guys. Uh, but I still think the principles still apply. Um, and putting yourself out there in front of people where you are at your most vulnerable list, because, you know, I don't mind going on, on camera. It's fine for me, but I know it's not for everyone. I never used to be confident doing it. Um, but what it does do, it builds up an element of trust. 
with your prospective customers because if they can see you and you're personified, you almost kind of celebritize yourself. Um, and the fact you're putting your face to a product or a service, in my opinion, gives an element of trust straight off the bat. Um, I know when I go on some companies' websites and they're faceless, I know, you know, it, it just leaves me a little bit uneasy. Um, and I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. For me, it was absolute gold dust. Um, it enabled me to connect with people uh, for my type of, you know, my client base, my customers, people that are going to refer me work. Now, I know a lot of you are going to have kind of product-based businesses, so it's going to be a little bit different. But even then, if you can want to get into like high street stores or hotels or whatever it may be, using things like LinkedIn to get to the top, I'm big. I'm fundamentally lazy. I want big wins. So if I can skip out all the middlemen and going through all the little, you know, I use uh, say hotels. I wanted to invent a pillow. Okay, so this is uh, a little story. So I wanted to come up with this idea for the perfect pillow. I've spent hundreds of pounds on pillows because I can never find a pillow that suits me. And I was like, Do you know what? I'm going to start up a company called The Perfect Pillow where it's enough jeopardy in the name perfect because my perfect's not Ash's perfect. It's going to be, we're going to have different perfects. But there's going to be a bit of curiosity and you're going to give it a go. You're going to, I'm going to try that pillow. I'm going to spend 50 quid and see how it goes. Anyway, that was the idea of the business, which I still may well still do. Please don't nick it, anyone. Um, but an example of like, you know, different sales to what I do in terms of professional services is I would be looking straight off at going on LinkedIn looking at kind of the regional managers for Premier Inn, regional managers for hoteliers, spas, you know, furniture shops. It's kind of thinking big. And by building your own personal brand, you're ultimately going to open doors for yourself and you're going to get people come to you. Um, I'm a big fan of treating um, kind of networking like a form of dating. And I use this reference quite a lot. Um, Ultimately, when you're going on a date, you want to impress that person. You know, you want to look presentable. You want to be funny. Yeah, you want to see that person again, hopefully. And if it's a great date, go back to theirs. Wonderful. But ultimately, you want to see that person again and build a relationship with that person. And why should that be any different to networking? So when you're on a, if you have, again, I'm referring back to dating, but it's the easiest kind of analogy to use. Um, but if you have a dating profile, you're going to put out there the best version of yourself. You know, it's your best photos, it's your best comments, or you know, your best description about yourself. So when you are looking at your social media platform, I'm not talking about Instagram, I don't necessarily think that's relevant for everything. Um, but stuff like LinkedIn, which I'm such a huge advocate for, um, creating a profile that will help open doors for you is absolutely key. Um, and one thing that really kind of has done me a world of good this year. So we've done we monitor our quotes as one of our main kind of kind of metrics we look at is our quote conversion rate and how well we do. Um, and we set at 82% this year of quotes to conversion, which is astronomical for our kind of price level. Um, and we, we send video quotes. So if I'm quoting for a big bit of work, I will send a video with my quote of me. It's a generic video that I've recorded in a, in a studio. And it's not in a dream world. I'd have every video be, oh, hi, Ash. Um, you know, this is Colin, blah, blah, blah. But I, you know, not quite sure we have, we simply don't have time to do that. That is an excuse. I should do that. And I'm hopefully it'd be a hundred percent, but it works absolutely true. Cause what it does do, not only does it personify you, celebritize you, it also cuts out a lot of the questions that you're going to get um, back from the quote. So people say, oh, you know, 
what about this? What about that? How's the process work? You ask all them in the quote straight away that you've, the customer already feels like you've given them something. So they're going to be inclined to kind of go with you anyway because you've given them something, you've given them information. And also it cuts out a lot of time of going back and forth on the lost quotes. We've all, we've all spent hours on quotes or going back to a client trying to win the work and they've just asked you loads and loads and loads and loads of questions then gone off with the cheapest person. And we don't want to be the cheapest person. We want to get the most, you know, the most money we can. Um, one thing as well is, so if any questions, just forgive me. I do, I do speak really quickly. So, and I am really Essex. So do forgive me if um, I give Ash a run for his money and his Essexness. So do forgive me for that. Um, but kind of at the, evolving the personal brand is stuff like reviews. I'm a huge advocate of reviews. Uh, it's something I've really tried to drill into my team um, is to kind of always go for good reviews. Whenever we've done a good service, which is hopefully all the time, is to get those good reviews from the client, get it on Google. Um, we don't do Trustpilot just yet. Um, I always can't think Google's okay. Facebook's good. Depends what you're looking at and where people go. Um, but it's a massive one. It's a big, big, big thing because ultimately people will go to reviews. Like when booking a hotel, you're going to go and look at TripAdvisor. You're going to look at the reviews. And not every review is going to be accurate, but do push it because it's free. It's a free bit of marketing that you can do. And only if you delivered a good bit of product and, you know, I've been, there's times where I've been, you know, our cash flow has been tight and I've had to be creative. And I think that's where our marketing strategies come from is when, you know, it's not all, it's not all lovely cars and lovely watches. There are times where our, our bank balance is devastatingly low. And I was like, okay, we need to think creatively now about how we can generate more sales through kind of marketing streams that are fundamentally free. Um, don't get me wrong, we do invest in Google and we do invest in SEO. Um, I wish I'd done SEO from the start of the business. I do really wish I'd done that um, because it's a lot more cost effective than doing Google ads. Um, but our Google ads work well because we you know we look at our KPIs and uh, how much we spend on Google um, and we spend about £1,500 a month on Google, which is like one5 transactions worth. So it, it always pays for itself. Um, we tend to look at roughly a 5 to 10x on our spend on Googles, um, which at our, at our price level is good for us. That's a, you know that's well worth it. Even though sometimes there's a month where you might not get anything, you know, I've got this 500 quid out of the bank, which I'm not getting anything for. Um, but it's, I guess one of the things that's kind of come across my mind a lot recently is I, I'm guilty of it. Uh, it's not to make knee-jerk reactions when it comes to marketing and sales, because sometimes... When you are spending money on, on marketing, which I'm going to touch on a bit now, is it always feels like the first thing to go. If you're if you have a bit of a tough month or you're struggling a little bit financially, a lot of people will think, "Oh, we can get rid of marketing because I don't need to spend the money on that." Because you just expect the money to come in. Still, um, I think that's the time where you kind of double down and start, you know, putting more and more money into marketing. Look at what your rivals are doing. You know, there's nothing wrong with imitation. Um, I know one of the guests we had on there, he, uh, you had Spencer, I think, you've, has he come on yet? Spencer, come on, yeah. Uh, and the guy has a marketing whiz. Um, but he bought everything in-house, fundamentally. And, you know, we, we've we just done that, a project now. We bought in an in-house videographer to start making our content because I was doing best part of two grand a month on video content, which is stupid. And I didn't have that full-time person in-house. So... Um, marketing, it depends on what your business is, um, but... Oh, it's so important just to look at kind of your key metrics and how much you're spending and what return you're getting on that and how many quotes you are losing. Um, if you haven't got a CRM system, 
make sure you get one. Um, we done ours on Zoho, which is a very much a, a platform that you can edit yourself. Um, we pay a guy not a huge amount of money to edit it for us, and it's built purely bespoke. And it's cheap. When I say cheap, it's cheap. Um, and that's been wonderful for us to be able to monitor quotes. When we first launched, we weren't looking at the quotes. We didn't see what was going on. So how can we grow the business or improve? Because we didn't know how well our quotes are doing. So now what we have done where we don't we do videos with our quotes, we now do a follow-up with a video as well. So they almost going to feel guilty for not going with us. And we found this worked really, really well. And the feedback's been really, really great. Um, so I know not everyone's comfortable with it. You haven't necessarily got to be on camera if you don't want to be, but I do recommend it um, if you can or get someone from your company or a friend or someone to do to be that face for you because a human's face is inherently trustworthy if, you know, if they're saying a the product that you believe in. Um, if you can go for any awards, this is, again, something that goes in with personal brand. Um, not that we all, if you've ever gone for an award, we all know it kind of they, it tends to go to the person that spends the most money at the events. However, um, from a consumer's point of view, they look great. So it doesn't matter whether it's the Essex Business Awards or I don't know the Pillow Awards, whatever that may be. Put your name down for them and go for them. It might only take an hour and a half to get them done, but before you know, you start have all these accreditations next to your company name, and it just gives again a sense of trust, which is going to help your sale. It's going to help you close that deal, um, especially when people that have the low tran- the low the low fees, who you're competing against the bottom feeders. Um, having those awards there will sometimes help you win that instruction over them or win that sale. In terms of kind of your goals and your targets for for sales, it's I like to kind of have two. We have two. Uh, we have the one we want to hit, and we have the one that we have to hit fundamentally. And that have to hit isn't a break even. That have to hit is a profit because we're not in this. We, we don't we don't put ourselves through this stress. You know, the sleepless nights, the grey hairs, the arguments, the stress. Uh, just to break even, we're in this to make to make money. Otherwise, what's the bloody point? There's no point. It's not, you know, <laughs> it's not worth it. Um, but it makes sure you do have those numbers and you do stick to them. Um, and then you do look at them probably every quarter. Because um, last year at Project, the building span firm, um, we were hitting targets easy. And I'm like, they're not targets because we're hitting them. It's too it's too easy. You're not, we're not going to evolve. We're not going to get better. And um, actually, one of the most dangerous things my business partner said to me is like, Cole, mate, I'm just so happy and content right now with everything. And I was like, oh, God, we ain't going to get anywhere, are we? We're not going to evolve. So um, it's getting used to kind of being uncomfortable is such a, you know, it's a bit cliche, but being comfortable being uncomfortable is such a huge part of my business mentality. Um, and I want to be hitting those numbers because those numbers mean I can take home more money. But we don't hit it every month. And do I feel like absolute shit when I don't hit it? Yeah, of course I do, because, you know, it's it's natural. Um, but it's so important to set those targets that you can then obviously set your KPIs to um, and work from there. Now, um, what are we talking about? Oh, dun, 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 dun. Um, one thing is slightly off topic, but it's, I think it's important just to talk about, like, obviously, Ashley's got me on here as a sales mastermind, and that's great. Um um, but we get low points as well. And I think it's those low points that you really need to, it's just going to sound a bit odd, but kind of cherish. Because in those low points, when I'm at my lowest, when it comes to work, where I've had not many instructions that month or whatever, 
that is when I really think on my feet. And that is when, I don't know about you guys, but that is when I actively become the best version of myself when the pressure is on. And that's, I wish it wasn't like that. I wish I was flying when I was flying, but it doesn't work like that. And it's so important to just embrace them and realize that they're actually okay. The low points are fine because everyone else goes through it. Everyone in this room would have gone through those low points where you wanted to pack it all in, get rid of it, sack it off. I mean, I had one in our, for example, in our December, it was our lowest ever month. It was, it was awful. Um, probably because the property market was naff, but it was dead. And I was, I, you know, I was like, what's the point? I don't really see the point. You know, we, we have to do at Horton's about 55 grand, which is the number to, I mean, you can take a little bit of, a little bit of profit each month, covers my salary and pays the wages, pays everything else. It's a lot of money. It's 55 sales I used to do a month. To, and I've got to convince 55 people to pay me a thousand pounds a month and that's what I do every single month and it's effing fucking stressful <laughs> to do it every month and then in, in December number wise we've done it we had 15,000 that month and it was a huge drop from our normal because we've generally been quite consistent over all the months and it was um we were quoting okay. We quoted at like 40,000. So, you know, the transactional interest was still there. But again, it wasn't as great. But you do think it was imploding. Um, but yeah, when, it, when, it, when you do have those moments, it's just remember, or even if, you, even if you're sitting there in a couple of weeks' time, you don't take anything else from this. Just remember that geezer from the mastermind went through this the other day and it's completely and utterly normal. So just do bear that in mind because we all go through it. Um, a massive thing for me with sales and making sure that I get the best form of... Um, so my sales process, just so you know, because that'll probably help, um, we'll get an inquiry come through our website. It's a form. Um, making sure that your website is approachable and user-friendly is so important. It's your shop window. If you're not prepared to invest in your website, then I don't really think there's any point you're doing your business. So I don't mean to sound too crude or, or horrible. Um, you haven't got to spend thousands of pounds on it. Um, but you need to invest in your shop window because otherwise people just not walk past your shop. And if you're not prepared to invest in what is your brand, not your personal brand, your actual brand, then I think it says, says a lot potentially about the service that you're going to offer. I know it's not for everyone, but this is where you'll pay someone to do it for you. Um, now, what was I going on about the website? I completely lost my hand. Yeah, so with our website, we, it's a little bit, uh, it looks a bit posh, but it's nice, it's got a video, it's a bit interactive, but you want the call to action to be there. You don't want to lose that customer. You want to keep their interest. You've, you've got about 10 seconds on your website to grab their interest. And then once you grab their interest, you want them to come straight to you to either for you to give them a call. I don't know how your businesses work, but mine is I need to speak to them. I need to speak to them to get them a quote over. Um now, what will happen is they'll make they'll inquire for our website. Uh, a form will come through, and the form will answer, will give me the information I need to then frame my conversation with them. And I mean, this is probably the most salesy bit. Obviously, when you speak to people like my my customer database is annoyingly. I wish I had a set demographic of age and sex, color and creed. That it's not at all. It, it is completely different. So no one's the same. And which is great because I learned so much about how to speak to certain people. Um, I've got really posh clients. I've got really poor clients. I've got really rude clients. I've got clients that are just all over the spectrum. And you quickly learn to become the best, most charismatic version of yourself. You just slip into it. Um, and what will happen is we'll get the calls come through. Um, and then I've got like a, probably a 30 seconds to a minute to kind of get them on the hook 
And the first thing I always do is try and get a laugh out of them within about 10, 15 seconds. Hasn't got to be a belly laugh. It could be anything. I generally make fun of my name because it's a terrible name. Colin, I don't know why my parents call me Colin. And sometimes I'm quite self-deprivating straight off the bat. So straight away, they're kind of thinking a little bit more like they're in control of that conversation, which is kind of how I want them to feel. Uh, I want them to feel like they're making their own decision, but really it's actually me. I'm just dictating what they're saying. But I know how the conversation is going to go. Um, and then at that point, you just listen to them, listen, 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 listen. Um, and you'll find that certain people will want a you know, certain amount of empathy from you. Empathy is the overwhelming uh, emotion that I have in my little body. It's annoying sometimes because it means that I get myself into situations where I just care too much about the person. Um, and it doesn't necessarily make me the world's best businessman, but it does make me good at sales because you do listen to people, you do take on board what they're saying, and it means you're receptive to how that conversation is going because um, you can sometimes tell where people are uninterested or they don't want your product. And at that point, I'm not one of those people that's going to hassle people. If you don't want it, you don't bloody want it. You know, I know pretty quick if it's going to go that way or not and if they're going to waste my time going back and forth with quotes. So it's that's an art that you'll, you'll, you'll obviously learn or you probably have already. Um, but once we've done that quote or once, once we spoke to them on the phone, I always say at the end, as I, look, I always recommend you go and get some other quotes. And uh, if it goes wrong, I'm always here to help you, don't worry, but I do recommend you get some other quotes because that's what I would do. And straight away, you're, you're kind of like, apologies for my friendship, but you're kind of mind-fucking him a little bit. You're like, what? why is this guy telling me to go elsewhere? What's wrong with him? Why would he, why would he do that? I back myself. I back myself and my business and my brand that we are better than everyone else. And they're not going to go anywhere else. They're not going to go and get the other quotes. They'll go and speak to their husband or wife and come back an hour later and say, yeah, want to go ahead. But what we do is straight off the phone call, we'll follow up the email the email is personable. I've remembered something from that conversation, whether they spoke about their dog with a kid or whatever it may be, football team, whatever that may be. You put a little note in the email about that and straight away, the, guy, the guy's actually listened. He's a little bit different. It's not like you're a classic window salesman. He's actually listened to me. And then put the quote video on there. So they'll go through it. They'll get the little quote video. They'll look, they've watched it. Okay, okay, this guy, he's, he's got a video with his quote. Okay, yeah, he seems like he knows what he's talking about. The quote's broken out really easily. And so I look forward to hearing from you. If I don't hear from you, I wish you the best of luck. And then, well, 80, 90% of the time, they'll come back and say, yeah, let's go ahead. Um, and I think one of one of us I got told once was kind of learn your customer's kind of like love line throughout your company. So what it's like for their experience from quote through to paperwork, through to your client care, through to getting the job done at the end, through to completing getting paid go through that as it, as if it, you were going through it yourself um, because that's what's going to get you those referrals and those reviews um, what would you want I mean I want me it's so simple it's like what would you want if you were paying that amount of money or you're buying your product what would you want from that experience and we all neglect it I neglect it you know it's only recently that I've really kind of drilled down on understanding the journey that my customers are going through because um, that way you can work out your kind of, life, your kind of customer lifetime value because you want them to come back to you. Mine's difficult, it's frustrating because I would love more data on it, but a lot of my transactions are one-offs, which is annoying. Um, but where we have got landlords who give us a lot of work, okay, I can work out kind of like what's the average revenue per, per client, how much time I'm spending with them, 
okay, and how long have they been with me for? Um, and we have got some clients now that have been with me the whole time. Um, and I'll look at them and I'll look at our correspondence. I'll look at our, so our CRM will tell us how long it takes at every element. So how long it takes to get the quote out, how long it takes to get the report out, how long it takes to negotiate, how well we did compared to what we told them we were going to do. And then we can straight away see, we've got all that data, which then allows us to build up a really good profile of some of our kind of returning customers. It's not, I wish every customer was like that when they come back all the time, but it's just not that how this, how, how my little sector works. But if you can invest in anything, it is, investing in a CRM allows you to then subsequently build a part of that, which allows you to work out your customer lifetime values because it's so, 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 so important, especially when it comes to pricing and making sure you get everything bang on. Um, average deal size, like I said, I know my average deal size is a thousand pounds. I know that's what it is because that's what my CRM tells me it is. Um, and I know people say CRM, you think expensive, but um, I'm sure Ash can help you with people that can help you set one up, but it's such a simple thing and you can't grow a business, you can't scale a business without having one. You've got Salesforce, which is the big bad word, but that's really expensive, so probably wouldn't use that. But, um, so I'll ramble, I'll ramble on about that for ages, but it's so important, it's so, so, so important. Um, I did have a couple more little notes here before, because I probably bored you enough. Um, we have got a little bit about, the last bit of I mean, I've got a TV show coming out in March, April time on Channel 4, which is going to be cool. Um, on selling super prime properties. So that'd be exciting. So you'll see my ugly mug on the television getting made an absolute fool of. Um, so whenever you watch The Apprentice, it's exactly, you know, when you watch it, you think, why the hell are they doing that? Because you have no option. It's so contrived. It's an absolute, um, like there was, we were tasked, we were told to do. And you're like, why the hell am I doing this? I can't, this is ridiculous. We had to like put an open house on for a 20 million pound house. And I was like, okay, what's the budget? Like a normal question that you would ask someone. And they're like, 200 quid. And I was like, fucking 200 quid. And I was like, can I ask my, can I borrow stuff? They're like, yeah, yeah, but you have to run it past logistics. And I'm like, anyway, so I write all my mates, like, no, we can bring all this stuff down. Well, the logistics say, oh, no, we can't have that. I'm sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. And your props, who, I don't want bloody props. I just want some canapes and some champagne. Like, you've got to go to a prop house and get some props with your 200 quid. And I'm like, oh, so we had to go to this like prop house and they were like dictate what road you what like like right row you go down. And he's like, oh, you should maybe you should look at these ones down here. And so it's really, really, really contrived. But it was all part of my personal brand kind of journey to grow that brand. So when I start pitching for work, oh, that's that twat that very nearly won the show. Um, I should have won. I was absolutely robbed, but it doesn't matter. Um, not that I'm bitter or anything about it. Stupid bloody channel four. But um but yeah, so um we do try and i do try and practice everything i do preach um and i hope what i've said is useful um i guess parting words would be don't people just think personal brands instagram looking glamorous looking all this stuff it's not about that it's how you carry yourself in your correspondence it's how you carry yourself with your customers and if you take anything from this it would be to build a linkedin profile that you're that you're proud of that will open doors to potential suppliers, potential clients, even other companies out there. You want people to give it, you know, in the long run, you might want to sell your business. Make sure that you are the most sellable person you can possibly be. Um, and ultimately, build a profile that will get you a second date. And um, on that, 
I'll open myself up to some questions. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.